Hey, what's up, guys? Chad Hermanson here with Mental Edge Training Coach. Today, I'll be chatting with Ben Rosenthal. Ben is a former high school teammate of mine at Green Valley High School here in Henderson, Nevada. He ended up going to San Diego State for college, had some injuries, some obstacles that he had to go through in his career. And Ben is now the assistant hitting coach for the Boston Red Sox at the major league level. So we're going to hear about his story and how he got all the way up to the big leagues as a hitting coach. So enjoy this conversation with Ben Rosenthal. All right, Ben Rosenthal, what's up, dude? How are you? I'm great, Chad. How you doing? It's great to see I'm you. It's doing, I'm doing well, man. Great to see you, too. Tell us where you're at right now. San Diego. San Diego, trying to dodge rain bullets. Like it. <laughs> it's been crazy out here in vegas too we're getting the west coast yeah west don't, coast just, don't, is it dumping everywhere in san diego yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's going pretty hard people don't know what to do Freak yeah. yeah yeah I, I saw there was like a big like landslide type thing going on northern california's got some had some issues for sure yeah. right yeah so you're out in san diego your journey didn't start in san diego though you were a, a Las Vegas guy. Yes. Right? We went to the same school in Green Valley, and you're a couple of years younger than me. Um, now, the reason I wanted to bring you on, Rosie, is you are the assistant hitting coach for the Boston Red Sox in, in the big leagues with some of the top hitters alive right now. Um, we're going to get to that and what that is and what that kind of the routines you guys go through, everything you do. But I want the audience to hear about what it took for you to get to the big leagues as a hitting coach. So we start start off with this all the way back to high school at Green Valley. And because you had some obstacles you had to go through. What were those obstacles? Um, depends on where you want to strike a start with the head coach. <laughs> He's always an obstacle. But uh, a good guy that probably taught me some things that I need to know in life, being a middle-class kid, you know, in a decent area, probably beat me up enough to teach me how to fight for some things. Um, obstacles, even then, like, was never a clear line. You know, I was never, I was never Chad Hermanson to say, like, first round pick, everything else. I had to kind of, a, a kid in, you know, is a sophomore, there's catchers in front of me. As a junior, there was always somebody, you know, I was always fighting. It wasn't ever easy. Um, and then, so junior year, played varsity, but was behind a guy. I could swing the bat a little bit, so I'd get in and hit because we were really good. And we'd blow dudes out, and I'd get a couple of A-Bs a game, so I got to play. Mm -hmm. Senior year, it's kind of mine to take over. Um, same thing, though, kind of like a little chip on my shoulder fighting. It's mine. First A-B my senior year, though, I, I blow out my hip. Um, so kind of shelf for that year, rehab, come back, play, play in the state playoffs. First at bat, your senior year. First at bat, senior year in high school. Um, yeah, I blew up my back hip, basically. About a centimeter off from having pins in it, like just mm -hmm. muscle, pulled a chunk of bone off. So miss uh, most of the year, come back, playoffs, win a state title again, go to junior college, because missed most of the year. Um, ended up being a really good decision probably one of the best coaches I ever played for. Uh, you know, it was, it was like a professional setting and it was kind of like, I'd say fearless kind of grinded me out and toughened me up a little bit, but then 
Dennis kind of polished it up a little bit to where it was, you know, hey, coach, what? No. Hey, Dennis. Hey, player. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it got to be that first name basis like you would see in pro ball, Mm -hmm. learning some accountability and responsibility on your own, right? And just little things. I think a huge lesson that he had for me was like, a handshake, the importance of that. But even going to junior college, there were definitely obstacles. Same thing, go in, freshman, there's guys there, fight, same thing, could swing it a little bit, got some playing time, DH as a freshman, mind to take over, sophomore, take over, good year, go to uh, D1, go to San Diego State, still in San Diego to this day. Um, first year there, same thing, there's another guy there, coach at junior college, why do you want to go there? Guy hasn't done anything with the program. Uh, I want to go to San Diego. So just get myself there. I'm like, I don't care who's there. I feel like I'm better than them. Yep. Got into uh, San Diego state first year, kind of same thing. A little bit of playing, a little bit of not Um, next year was mine to take again, get hurt early on. This is a shoulder issue, dislocated, non-throwing, but kind of missed that year. Had some disagreements with coach. He's bringing in other guys, et cetera. So it's, Okay, I forfeited my next year, no red shirt, finished school, got my, um, close to getting my degree, but knocked out school, rehab, got healthy, still wanted to play, end up finished school, start helping coaching a little bit, you know, friend at high school, catching pens, I end up catching pens for Tom House, because he was doing stuff at the school, so I'm like trying to grind my way back, I'm catching, just showing up and catching pens early, just to kind of show him that I would work. I would do whatever. Cause he knows people sure enough, kind of just through doing that and being around to get a job playing indie ball. So then I ship off, go play some indie ball yeah. for a year. And even that first year was interesting. I started a league in Canada. It folds halfway. I did all right. Another guy knew somebody else. I wound up in another league in Allentown, Pennsylvania, I think the next year I end up signing. So I sign with the Cardinals. I get into affiliated ball. And it's the same thing. I mean, if anybody's familiar with any kind of affiliated ball, especially kind of when we played, you were just kind of a spot to fill, especially probably as a catcher, pens, et cetera, spring training. But again, I could I could swing the pole a little bit. Found myself, made it through camp, go to low A kind of bounce around, guys get hurt, end up in high A. Not a ton of playing time, but kind of, you know, still learned. Had a really good manager that year in high A, Tom Nieto. Um, even though I didn't play all the time, kind of showed me how to be ready, you mm-hmm. know, when you're not playing, the, the work that needs to go in for the guy that, that you know, isn't in there every day because when you get in there, you got to be ready. Um, so the same thing, just always like an uphill battle. And then next year went back to camp, had a good camp. Um and same thing, bounce around. It's like they didn't know where to put me because it's like probably didn't expect me to have a decent camp or do whatever. And I felt like some guys liked me. So I stuck around, broke camp again, went back to high A. Mm-hmm. Um, and then probably when they, they crunched rosters in like April or May early, I just decided I didn't want to go on the Phantom. So I took my release, went and played indie ball, got a bunch of ABs. I think I ran across you either that year or the next year. At yeah. Some, yeah. So it was you either like – you were in St. American Paul. Association. You were in El Paso. Yeah. So I had, oh, now we're like, oh, five. I ended up 
that part year after my release. And then I went back there. So it's 05 or 06, came across you again. But then mm-hmm. did that. And then I was trying to get back into affiliated ball. I think I came across you again in like a Padre tryout. <laughs> doing, <laughs> yeah. the same, doing the same thing. Yeah. Uh, we just like wanted to keep it going. And like so, at some point in in those couple years of playing, I also started going back to school to get my master's degree. Um, kid I went to four-year school to San Diego State with. Just thought it'd be a good idea when we go to you know junior college when we go back you want to be a juco coach it's like yeah that would actually yeah. kind of be ideal my juco coach had a huge impact two years you can make a difference teach like great and then i started going through it kind of finishing school i'm like all right these guys don't go anywhere <laughs> oh all right and then it's like oh you, know, you want to make some money and you do everything else like, oh boy but along the like those lines i'm learning and i'm seeing things like through school and like the body and moving and I'm starting to like put these pieces together my own injuries and history. I'm like, okay, why don't we do that? Or why isn't that? I'm like, I was just starting to like ask questions in my head. Right. Um, And then I got into just because I had my degree, I would substitute teach or do some like personal training at 24 hour because they were just easy ends. I had degrees in those areas. So it was an easy way to make money. And so even on both of them, I was like, okay, I definitely don't want to go teach. This is tough. <laughs> and I definitely don't want to go like try to sell and slang personal training packages to these people here. But the fitness and the like strength and conditioning really piqued my interest. Cause like, I could do that. Like this college coaching thing's tough. I could find a way to parlay the two together because mm-hmm. I have pretty decent knowledge in what the body's doing. So I trained some people, did some of that. Um, found my way kind of done playing out of the game, getting married all at the same time, wanted to coach, but it was like, okay, there's no money done with a degree. What do I do? I ended up at like a strength and conditioning place. Learned a ton there. Then I really started putting everything together. Like these guys, the the guy that was in charge was outstanding. Um, Kind of runs Exos's combine stuff now. But he ran track in North Carolina. And so these things, like I started seeing like track football, some of these sports are way ahead of things, like especially the ones that have Olympic things, mm-hmm. weightlifting, like just how they're moving and how they're training. And sure, as I start researching and learning more, I'm like, all right. Then I start like trying to pair stuff up. Now I'm thinking baseball, like that makes sense to me. It's basically like how you're seeing guys now, like all the different movement and warm up and it's not the static movement you know it's just it's all dynamic it's things that you probably should do and if you look at you're like yeah why were we doing that oh yeah you know that time is where like things started spinning in my head it's like okay i can do this and coaching at that point wasn't i just didn't want to go sit in an office so it's like okay i can do strength conditioning this would be cool and then uh the same thing trying to find like that job to to support yourself and like mm-hmm. have a salary. You got to pay those bills. Like you yeah. said. <laughs> yeah. So like, even that it's like, man, I need something full time. bounced around, end up back in Vegas, um, working for a family member, you know, I was in like it staffing, tried mm-hmm. that. Not for me, experience. <laughs> <laughs> But just, you know, the talking and the diving in and like the looking and digging in the, in the resumes, like definitely there was some value in it. Just 
even understanding like some of the stuff in technology, all the stuff that's used today, all the different codes that people are writing in and doing some of the, these reports. Like I was looking for database engineers and web developers then. I had no idea really what they were. <laughs> but now like I can tie all that to baseball. Like, oh yeah, like we have a whole bunch of these people right. working for our organization because they're necessary. Um, but yeah, I did that and ended up leaving that and kind of trying to do my own thing, like training and coaching and et cetera. And came across a guy that I basically got on, put on retainer for to train him and some executives, traveled a bunch, and then did that for about a year ish. And then when I started having kids, when I got back into baseball, um, cause just had another friend of mine that was doing it. He was actually at faith Lutheran and brought me over, did it. And then that next year I ran into Nick again, and found my way back at Gorman coaching. <clears throat> and then a couple of years at Gorman found my way back to San Diego. <laughs> and like, I can add like pieces to each level of this. Cause during those like five years. So back in Vegas, as I had finished my degree, so I had gotten online, like hooked up with a school. And so I was teaching classes online. So I'm like mm-hmm. coaching during the day, going home, grinding on the computer, trying to grade papers, you know, writing my like thesis finished all that and so I did that for a while even when I came back to San Diego I still had the online teaching thing so that was good because that provided me like some stability so I could kind of right. now I could start chasing some coaching so I had made my way back to Vegas, uh, San Diego from Vegas head high school coach for a year got us to the the CIF finals but just missed something in the championship mm-hmm. game that flipped and took an L but that's all right you know um and then I made my way over to Point Loma Nazarene and I was going on four years there which was a really good spot good opportunity guy let me do what I wanted really with the hitting things I got to grow a lot did a lot of the strength and conditioning there too with the guy that is now the head coach so it's good I got to dabble in a lot of everything um and just use all my experiences and then you know now you go seven somewhere 2017 16 17 winter i was getting to that point again too it's like all right i gotta make a living like the the online stuff had faded right right so now it's like okay what am i gonna do i had built some stuff the college with the like teams and local stuff so I, i had a decent gig going but it's like i gotta move on or up or start doing something to bring in a better paycheck and so I just started grinding it out, pulled the uh, baseball like reference, bought that thing, like emailed like hard, sent everybody notes, emails. I got lucky. A friend of mine had the like email chain for everybody. He had yeah. played, you know, um, and so his agent had given it to him because he can kind of do the same thing. We went to junior college together, but it was say it's, you know, Chad Hermanson at Red Sox or c dot like they're all different yeah yeah, each organization has their own setup the way they do their yeah so i got the cheat code on that which is good because i was ready to just like okay c dot hermanson chad (laughs) i was you know ready to lay them all out whatever i could think of for everybody and send them out but that helped me send it all out got some some stuff back and then a guy that i had coached with when i was doing that stuff with tom house at that high school um he ended up being the pitching coordinator for the Astros at that time mm. so he ended up like 
we were together in, I think it might yeah. be 2003 or four, and he took his own journey. And then kind of, we met back up around that time. Um, they had called me. I, I had ended up talking with him a little bit, reconnected with him, some phone calls, et cetera. And then they're like, hey, we got a hitting coach job in A-ball. Like, okay. Yeah. He's like, how much does it pay? I'm like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> but, like you're so, even though you're you're starting over basically still right yeah and the wife's like okay one year all right and um six years later i think she said one year what she's like what What does she mean by the one year like, give it one give it a try like if you like it and see if i like it see if it's worth it i'm gonna be gone we have two kids money right. etc <clears throat> so um that one year is now turned into it was I would did five years in the Houston organization, so I went from low A to high A to triple A from 19 to 21, and then got hired with the Red Sox last offseason. And then even like with that half of a line, there was many, you know, I, I was always just like fighting up. It was never like, man, and some of it was thought, you know, like, why is it? Why not me? Maybe mm. just stuff wasn't fit, timing, whatever, you know, but maybe it just took me that long to put it all together, just working with different people. But I think like it, it was, I don't know that there's necessarily specific obstacles, but there were just always obstacles. It was just always like, I felt like it was just always a fight, you know, and like playing wise, I, you could see it. And I probably could have stuck around, like if I think back and, you know, maybe I'd go on the phantom and I stick around, maybe I end up back on that roster and I still play, but like everything, like that was a good experience for me because <clears throat> once I got back into coaching and in pro ball, like my sights were locked in. Like there was mm -hmm. no separate, there was pretty much no getting off path after that first year when I was like, okay, I can do this. I'm good at this. This org is like a perfect fit for me. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I was hired by people that were pretty much just like me, you know, a little bit of playing experience, some, some, some knowledge and information and degrees like on the science and sports science side and just able to pair it up. But it was like, even, even then, like in that org, it was like, I was moving up, but I, I don't know, maybe it's my thought process. But I always felt like, okay, I'm just like almost there. Like, okay, why didn't I get a call for that double A job that first year? Or why didn't I get the call for the hidden coordinator one but it's like maybe it's not right there and now still learning stuff at 43 like having yeah. a perspective of you know what probably just wasn't the right fit but those are always obstacles like even your own mind and thoughts and like how you attack it and how you believe and like building your own beliefs and like staying true to those is just it takes time you know like everybody even for players it's like you arrive at a different time it just took me a little bit longer and maybe not as straight of a path, but I think I needed that crooked path to like bring that extra bit of value to me. Like mm -hmm. just being able to have other experiences. You know, I haven't been in baseball the whole time. I've done some other stuff. I've traveled, I've done some things that guys that have just probably been in baseball, I haven't been able to do. So I, I feel like I have some other experiences, whether it's the staffing or it's the training and traveling and, you know, being involved with golf guys on that end and just little mm -hmm. different things. Yeah. You know what one so when you and I hooked back up again here in Vegas, um, I ended up coaching with you at Gorman for one year. Um, one of my best friends, Nick Day, was the head coach at the time, and he 
he kind of knew I was in transition and he's like, Hey dude, come over here. Like we got Rosie, we got Chris Latham, uh, Mike Denini came on board at one point for a little while. I'm like, wow, it's a pretty decent staff here. Yeah. And one thing that stood out to me um, is that we were coached by the same high school coach, Roger Ferris. Right. And, and we kind of had this, um, he, he, like, you're right. He taught us how to be tougher. Right. Uh, we never really experienced that. You got to be tough on the field to win type thing. Um, so you, ha we had an experience one time. We didn't hit very often on the field as far as batting practice. We kind of very occasionally did, but we, we spent a lot of time more at the, at the cage or in left field where the, um, the batting practice part mm -hmm. fences were beyond left field. <laughs> and one particular day stands out to me. Now I want to preface this by my only year I coached there. That was Joey Gallo's senior year. Right. Joey Gallo, as we all know, is big leader, massive power, um, dude, 6'5", 215 his, his senior year, just a man amongst boys, right? Um, so an incident happened, and I think you remember what happened. So I'm, I'm standing, and I'm just kind of helping out. I'm an, I'm an assistant. You're, you're more Nick's right-hand man. Like, you were the assistant coach, and... Um, you would run practices, be in charge of that. If Nick was kind of late getting out from his math stuff going on with, as a teacher. And Joey was doing some stuff one day that you didn't like, right? Can you, do you remember that story and what happened with that? And, and tell us what, what, what you, yeah, how you kind of handled Joey Gallo in that situation. Um, yeah, I like basically one of those times where you can't be scared and you can't back down and like you, it doesn't matter who the player is. It's like sometimes you have to make an example of them essentially. Sometimes if they are like your dude and your superstar, it carries a little bit more weight, but also on the other end, I think like I'll, I'll go into the situation, but on the other end, my thought is if I let this keep going, it's going to do more harm than if I don't do something about it. Right. And so it was, I mean, if you, if you're looking back, it wasn't anything huge. It was a kid being a kid and a, a slight immature moment or whatever. And I mean, who knows if I handled it perfectly either, but what he wasn't taking things as serious and him being the dude is like, he takes on a leadership role, which they do and they don't ask for it. And that's why, you know, and you know, and I know, and like, sometimes you feel for those guys, especially in the big leagues, like they don't necessarily always ask for it, but sometimes you're just putting that role and you have to abide by some of these things. Right. So whatever he was doing in BP, I didn't like, and he was jerking around and I was, you know, and I was known for like, and it wasn't a bad thing, but I'd just take a lap, like go, like take the lap, think about it, like tighten the bolts up, like go just see take it. A lap. Yeah. Take a lap. No, like, and you've been around me. So I can, I can, kind of flip it on, on, on those guys, especially at that level, but I'm not going to hold a grudge. Like I'll, all right, be done with it and move on. Mm -hmm. That's one thing I tried to implement like with high school guys, definitely, you know, um, I, on a tangent, I didn't ever feel like fearless would let a grudge go, but I think he did. I just, <laughs> he didn't. So I tried to make it a point to like, if I blew a kid up to at least go, but I had decent relationships with them. So yeah, whatever. I didn't like what he was doing, chirped him, kind of take a lap. And then during this lap was even more of the, it's like, he couldn't just take the lap and just be done with it. And so there was some barking back and forth and 
I think I ended up running the whole team and back and forth, like running him or running the whole team because he wouldn't do it. And so I think making him watch them run, I think I was trying, I was trying to create a little bit of animosity to them, but it, it ended up working out because they did what they needed to do. He kind of locked it back in and joined and did what he was supposed to do and kind of just washed away. But it was just one of yeah. those times like you have them in life and it's like what you teach your kids. Like if somebody's doing that, you need to stick up for that other person because that's not going to be it. So I, I felt like I needed to stick up for the whole team right there and not let them get away yeah. with doing what he was going to do because I just saw a harm coming from that, you know? It's like the teaching thing. If you're on the gas early, you can always let the off the gas pedal. But if you aren't on that gas, you can't get on that gas pedal later. Right. Yeah. No, I, and I think you said like you kind of made an example. And I, and I, I kind of don't remember exactly what happened either, but I, I think he was goofing around a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, Gorman at this time, you know, they're always one of the top teams in the country. This team ended up being the number one team in the country that year. So there's high expectations. There was, and Joey was leading that. Um, and there was other very good D1 ball players that went on from that team. And I, I think I even remember as he was taking his lap, he was because BP was continuing and he was like hiding behind players. Right. And, and we saw it. We're like, wow, this is interesting. Right. And then I think you eventually like, okay, let's everybody stop. And then you just had the whole team run while he watched. Right. So it's yeah. kind of like, this whole situation where like, dude, you're not, you're not, you are part of the team. This isn't the, the Joey show. Right. And I bet if you asked him now, he would probably laugh about it. Be like, yeah, I was a prick. You know, yeah. I, was, I was 18 years old. I was immature. I was, I had a lot of stress, a lot of pressure on me and there could be a whole bunch of things going on, but yeah, yeah ran into um, it a couple years later. Cause we had one of his kids probably like, laugh about like, it. You're now. not going to kill me. You don't hate me, dude. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, it's just one of those things. Right. But the precedent was set like, dude, we're, we're in this together. And if we're not in it together, then this, we're going to have some issues here. Um, and I remember like, cause you were the kind of the disciplinarian and would do the workouts with them. And, and you would, you would kind of give them the old green Valley style. Like, cause I never saw that earlier. I was like, oh, these guys kind of have it pretty easy. Right. With compared to the practices we used to have, okay. right. Where we would be dying. I was like, wow, this is, they're kind of, this is pretty lackadaisical, but they're so good. They were getting away with it. Right. So yeah. that's good. That, that I just thought that was an interesting story. And that kind of showed your leadership, you know, in, in that regard. And um, it's now got you, you know, probably a part of your character and your process to where you are now. So you were an Astros coach uh, in the Miley starting to work your way up. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, what does, what's an interview look like when you're going for a hitting coach job? What are they asking? They're well, uh, they're different. The in 16, those, they were really, I'm trying to think if I even had a, a, did a zoom, I think I might've just been all phone calls um, with the Astros. It was like a couple with the hitting coordinator, one or two uh, assistant GM. And then, the like head of, you know, minor league ops or whatever, like a couple of times. And then I went to breakfast with my buddy that's here. So I think that might've been a face to face, but right. um, yeah, it was like, I think then it was different than what those interviews are now. 
because then it was like I was on that cusp of it was like okay I had a degree like I got baseball I got some of the like information I could use video I could put Mm -hmm. things together right and now like some of that stuff is just like that's your seat at the table like just to get that yes yeah like that first requirements yeah that was kind of like more of a separator then right because I was a little bit different I wasn't traditional like I just played I want to get back in and coach it was no I'm like this part of that new wave where that I think there'll be another wave of guys that are similar but they're going to now have the playing experience under us you right. know as they get done it'll be a different wave so I feel like I just got in at a good time because now there's going to be players that can pop out and get those entry-level jobs that I might not be able to get um but yeah, so those were calls. And then I think as it's progressed now, like obviously the minor league ones are going to be different than the, than the major league ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so now like it just, I think that orgs depend, I only have experience on the minor league side um, with Houston, but even as it went, I know some of the things changed of what we were looking for. And we might've missed a couple of times because they were trying to figure some things out with guys, but it was similar to myself, but knowing can they use the technology? Can can they use some of this like information? It doesn't mean you have to be perfect with it. They're just looking for people that are familiar with it because a lot of the minor leagues are collecting data and doing stuff on these guys. Right. Um, so it's it just depends. I think every club's different. Some might just open up Twitter and look for a good handle and cool stuff and hire that guy. Because I think there's a lot of clubs that still don't know what they don't know and like who they're looking for necessarily. Um, but yeah, I think now, even so, like last year, it was, there were some like questions about analytics, like these are big league interviews, but I think the big league interviews, my content and knowing the swing and knowing the other stuff, that's my seat at the table, right? Like all that other, like I've done all the hitting stuff now. So it's like, okay, he gets the hitting. So now it's like, okay, is he a fit on staff? Is he going to be able to handle these players? Is he going to be able to handle just all the other stuff that goes with it? Whereas in the minor leagues, it might be, it's more development. Can you, you know, this tech, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you handle a group of 10, 12 guys? Can you, all right, you got to do this report. Are you good with Excel? Are you, you know, are you familiar with this? Mm -hmm. So just, you know, but that experience and knowing that to like, even with that, for me, like you still have to be able to teach or coach to some degree, because it's not all the tech or the data or the info or just let them play and work it out. Right. It's gotta be a combination of whatever's going to be better for that player. But yeah, you can use all that stuff. Like some of the stuff hasn't changed. Some of the thoughts haven't, change that I've had in the past you know I'll I'll make some circles back I'll get caught up in some things but I think like it should still be a foundation of okay does this guy fit with your foundation of whatever it is great doesn't have to be perfect is that okay and then can they handle this how do they do with this have they ever been in charge of anything like a season in the minor leagues is tough too so especially yeah. if you're going to teach a guy and develop a guy, it's like, when do you push? When do you throttle back? Like they're going to fail. How much failure do you want? How much? It's, so I went off on a tangent of what I did, just, yeah. but the, like the interview process, it's, I only have those two experiences. So it, so it's tough, but I, I 
think some teams, like especially for the minor leagues, they're just they're looking for people that probably can handle like more of the tech and more of the information and kind of like bundle some of that if they're good. And then it, there's like got to be the teaching aspect too. So what's your experience in that? Some guys are learning all this tech and the info, but they've never been around in life to teach mm. or failed enough or just haven't been around long enough. So it's mm. tough. Like you hire somebody without that. Okay. Can they adapt to this or can you hire somebody that knows this one? It's, it's tough. I've always felt though, like I always tried to be a combination of everything. Even back in the day when I was doing strength stuff or when I was doing catching stuff with kids or hitting stuff, like I always just had a, like was watching the body mm. and having an idea and, you know, things like that and, and watching how they moved and then building a relationship with them. And then the rest is like easy. That's like anything. If you don't have a relationship, can't, if I don't have the ability to talk to you freely in a way that you can understand, whether it's humor or sarcasm or just wear you out, then you're not going to improve or be able to get to your best, whatever that, yeah. that might be. That was probably a little bit all over the place. Just, no, it's great. Because there's only two. <laughs> no, it's good. Well, so, yeah, because it's, you know, you always kind of wonder, like, what does that even look like? Like, and obviously they're probably asking philosophy questions, like yeah. how, who have you coached in the past? How would you handle this situation? Things like that. Yeah. Um, so I was looking at Boston's rock. Now was, you're now the assistant hitting coach with the Red Sox yeah. in, in the, at the big league level. Um, who, who's the, so you're the assistant. Who's the main hitting coach? So uh, Peter Fatsy is our main hitting coach. Okay. So very, a few years younger than me, but very similar background, except uh -huh. he, he got done playing. He went and opened his own facility and kind of did that. Right. Okay. You know, eight, 10 years or whatever, kind of that little peak where I was bouncing all over. He kind of was doing baseball stuff. Um, and then found himself with the twins as a coordinator and then came over to Boston in 20 as okay. an assistant. So then uh, hires, Tim hires left to Texas last year, Pete got promoted. They brought myself in and then they brought in uh, Luis Ortiz who had been with Texas, had been with the Dodgers, has been a coordinator. He's been around a little bit. Um, so a lot of teams are going to three guys just because there's a lot of love needed and a lot of like, there's just a lot of stuff. Yeah. You know, no, I preparing the player like physically in the swing to the information. And there's just a lot that goes into it and having three guys or more than two is just beneficial, especially now because there's guys that don't want to hit during the game or that might do something. And now you're mm -hmm. not taking bodies away from the dugout that might be able to help with some advanced report or something yeah. else like the front AB, you know, but now you have extra bodies that you can kind of move around. Um, so I spent a lot of time in the cage, but it's good. It's raw. Cage is raw. You get to, you get to see it yeah. because people outside don't always get to see what I <laughs> <laughs> the behind the scenes. Well, yeah. I'm looking at, you know, I, I wrote down a couple names. It, obviously you're with the Red Sox. You, so you always, they're one of the story organizations always have great players. So you got, Last year, you had Bogarts, Dahlbeck, Hosmer, J.D. Martinez, Verdugo, Bradley's, Trevor Stories, Fams, all these guys, right? The year Ferraris, they're Ferraris. Uh, you got a bunch of Ferraris right there. Bunch of Ferraris, yeah. And so, 
number one, I you you brought up the point of now we have an assistant hitting coach and now even sometimes three, which I'm like, it's almost like in college. Like, why why are we waiting so long to pay volunteers or assistants? Like these teams and, and these kids in college, they need these extra guys, right? They need to be around. There can't just be one guy. In college, um, one yeah it, yeah so there's it makes total sense to like no we need bigger staffs to accommodate um otherwise you're just standing in line hit, waiting to hit you know with one guy or um so it makes total sense at the professional level like why are we not investing in more guys getting different thoughts getting different opinions right because you know I, I certainly probably like you you don't you might not necessarily gel with just the one guy you have um, or he's not giving you anything or he has no information for you. Um, so what are those? So you mentioned, so during the games, right. With your role and position, you, you say you're in the cage quite a bit during the game. Mm-hmm. So from everything from somebody wants to get loose to straight panic at the disco, because <laughs> you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about, but like it, the range is, is huge. So it might just be, Guys have different routines. Um, JD JD stays pretty consistent. I mean, the guy, it's impressive. He swings uh, most of the game. But one thing, like, I give him credit for is his ability to be objective in his results. Is, is like, detailed as he is and, like, grindy as he is on his swing and his approach mm-hmm. and everything he does. He could go out and be looking for something and look like a fool and maybe he chased and did it. I could have said something to him. Never would he ever come back and chirp me or blame me or, you know, get mad. He'll get mad at himself for doing something, but he'll get mad. He'll move on, whatever it is. And he'll objectively, he can look at video, boom, 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 address it. Okay. I need to, I need to work on this, but he will not live in, even if he's four for four, you know, he's still working. If he's two for two, he's going into his third AB. Like he's working and he's consistent with that. It's super impressive um, to see just because yeah. a lot of guys, even at that level, still will live and die by their results. You know, it's like they might be, if you're one for one, you know, you go, if you're going into your second at bat with a hit, you're having a different at bat. Right. You're going into your third at bat with two hits or even <clears throat> one hit, you're still. Like it's different versus going into your third at bat. Now you're you're over two, or you're going into your fourth at bat and you're over three. So you like just even scenarios like that, you can get the guy like JD. It doesn't really matter, and he might be in there and just he's sticking with it and doing his thing. Or you might get a guy that just is like he's chasing hits, mm-hmm. and, and as much as we all know, it's hard to just chase hits. Some guys have a knack for hitting um like bogarts has just got a knack to get hits it's mm-hmm. impressive you know yeah. he's also got pop and so for him he he's like a little bit not as doesn't hit as much sometimes he might chase hits or do some things or look at something but he can move on pretty pretty quick as well you know he can go he can have an idea he can go he might get he might get mad do whatever maybe he might be influenced more on the offer versus something else and thinking something, but it creeps into all of them at, at some point, but for the most part, they're able to like take a couple swings, get whatever they need to get, move on. All right. This guy's doing what to me. Okay. I got to go. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it might vary. A guy might come in also in the game and they're going to bring relievers in. Like that's the, the good stuff is now they start coming in fourth inning, you know, you get your bench guys start moving around. Some guy might take a couple of flips in like the fourth and then in the fifth, he might do some darts or he might hop on some machine, you know, so guys will the build up and it's tough in Boston when they have one cage on the home side. Cause it's just old and the old. Tiny. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's tough, the traffic, but it, it works out. Guys get feel for, you know, who's playing when they're not, when they're coming in, if certain guys like to take a swing before they're AB, whatever it is. So then you just kind of move it around, move with the flow, watch the game a little bit. <clears throat> Guy will come in, um, you know, lefties come in the game. We'll usually at home have a lefty BP guy. So he'll either come in and guy might want a couple tosses, you know, or they might just want a machine. Everybody's a little bit different. Um, but yeah, like you just see so many different things during the game down there yeah. and, and how they do it. And some of them just, they might make an adjustment too. Like that's what else is cool is like the Ferrari, you just might need to like <laughs> that plug over just a tick and it fires again. They're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's fine. Okay, good. And then they're like, then they're free. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 it's busy, it gets busy. Yeah, um, but it's it can, it can be fun down there. It can be grindy and tough and, you know, everything that the game is because you're living it with those guys, you know, so they're struggling, you're struggling. Sometimes you, you feel it with them, but right. trying to make sure that they're in a good spot to go and go compete. Sometimes it's like, dude, just go let it rip. Like, get out of your own way. Go, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, your own way. Yeah, what do you what, what are you seeing in it? Cause you've now experienced a lot of minor league hitters that probably might be a lot of them are even done playing. They just didn't get, didn't, didn't get past a certain level. Now you're dealing with Ferraris on the Red Sox. These guys that are just ridiculous. Now, a lot of them, like there's physical ability, right. And capability. Yeah. What are you seeing differences in the mental side of their approaches? I mean, that's usually it. It's like those are the separators is being able to adjust adjustments making adjustments so like the really 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 elite ones right like they make them they might make it in a pitch yeah another one might make it in a bat like another one might make it in a game but then it's it's like you really they get you have like how can i I need to do this here, but when I'm up here, they're doing this to me. And then it's like, how do I adjust to survive? Um, Trying to just get my, my brains together real quick. Um, But it's, yeah, it's their ability to deal with like the failure and come out of it or understand like, okay, I am all right, or I belong here or that was a good AB. Mm-hmm. There's just, it's most of it though. Like the separator is mental, whether it's like, okay, this guy's doing this. I just got my doors blown off for four ABs on fastballs up. Okay. Now it's a new series. I'm going to change my swing. What are you doing? Why? Right. Why are we like, changing the swing? Yeah. Right. Like that team just attacked you a certain way. That's a weakness of yours. Like it's not a swing thing. Whereas maybe a more veteran guy might just been like, all right, whew, that series is over. Thank God. <laughs> I'm going to move <laughs> on. Like they just torch me up here. I can't get whatever it is. Right. Like 
just being able to do that and know that, okay, I have this much like time in the year. Yeah. One little what? bit isn't going to kill me. Question on when you say like someone might change their, like maybe it's my swing. Would you say that's more in relation to my swing path? Like it's getting too flat, too steep, too, too uphill. Yeah. Essentially. Like if they're trying to usually tinker with something, they're trying to tinker with their path, mm -hmm. et cetera. Like if they're getting blown up, maybe a guy's getting blown up up top and he might, do something or he's just hitting on a machine for whatever but neck balls to try to yeah you know um some other guys maybe go and like completely change a hand position or do something else it's mm. but some guys operate like that some guys don't you know what i mean like some guys are always tinkering a little bit some are just go but i think like the young ones is where it's important to teach them and to get them to learn early i think that's where it was helpful for me is like all the minor leaguers that i dealt with and then even being in triple a they were coming back and down but now being in the big leagues these guys are coming up so i've been in kind of a place to like understand what they need to do as they're going but now i've seen them from like go away from me up but now i'm accepting them as they're coming up so i can help them with some of that transition you know mm -hmm. versus like they were doing this here you need to do this okay now they need to do this yes okay but i get it i get it get it you need to be here at like one o'clock because they show up at three like you yeah. have to get this in here right to to be done so they're still teaching even when they get to the big leagues like it's hard like the levels, you know, the, the it's probably, I'd say it's probably a bigger gap now than when you played between AAA and the big leagues. Right. Right. I, I would guesstimate. I don't know. Like there's probably a number out there that can compare it, but just, I feel like COVID might've kind of pushed some of that. You get guys going quick. You miss a year, kind of some level ups for no reason. Mm -hmm. There's some stuff gets sped up on some guys, but yeah, like the, the, being able to like separate their failure and some days are just bad days, but not like building that it's, that's the difference maker. Yeah. And then the elite elite, like they take that and they do the work and they do everything else. And it's like, no question when a ball does something and they make a crazy play, like he's been ready for that for months, mm. but it looks like he rolled out of bed. <laughs> that's also the guy that's a first bout right like he's right maybe in the hall of fame but then you have your all-stars and then you have like different levels at, at the big league level yeah most of most of the big leaguers are just like can they stick around right <laughs> like yeah x percent of all-stars and then superstars and it's <laughs> like that's still probably less than 50 percent yeah you know? Yeah, that's what's always fascinating me. That like, even you're at the highest level, there's still there, there's your Barry Bonds, right? Then there's there's different levels of elite Hall of Famer, even Hall of Famers. There's different levels, probably, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, I just I find that interesting that with the different levels of there. There's even different levels in the big league, so which is kind of cool, right? That it just shows you like there's that many um good players that even even if you're just average like tools wise 
right? When you kind of get on the scouting side of things, it's it's still like, man, you're a 50 and all these things, but even 50 is a pretty good player, right? <laughs> yeah, average major leaguer, right? Yeah, like, average major leaguer is really good, right? Yeah, yeah people like lose track of that. It's like, hey, he's a 50. <laughs> now we, that's a major league number we're looking at. Like, right. Not everybody is a 80, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Even on the scouting, that was something I like in, in the development, just to like piggyback on that. You can see it in guys as they progress. Like he might have been a 50 power, but he's now two years older, more mature, a tick stronger. And now he's like a 65 power. Yeah. What happened? Yeah. So it's like understanding some of that too, like what you can develop, what, you know, what your trade offs are in some of these things. Mm-hmm. yeah what's um i know like you mentioned jd martinez like his one of those guys that kind of reinvented himself right yeah. he came up i think he was what with the astros yeah he was, tigers astros tigers hit like eight thousand homers in that month with arizona and got that yeah and, and kind of but, but kind of went to a guy i don't know who he went to but kind of reinvented his swing right mm-hmm. has, did, has he ever talked to you about that like the changes he made there yeah, I actually, the guy that he saw, I had seen for a, a, a few times, like back in the day when I was playing. So I was familiar with kind of what that guy was doing. So, yeah, we had talked about, about it a little bit, and it's kind of out there too. But, mm-hmm. you know, he put a ton, like I, I think early on, he spent a bunch of time like working on lower half stuff and trying to dial that. Like it was, it was a process for him for sure. And then yeah. once he got that thing dialed and it was like, kind of like the upper body and he dove into the path and but he, he's super detailed with with everything and they speak a language that's unique to them and mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean it's it's wrong you know it took, took a little while but like how he says some things I'm like okay I can I can understand that like I might not say it like that I might not say it like this guy says it but it makes sense to me like these things are happening these are little markers that I look for in a swing they're happening. It doesn't really matter how you describe it, you know, as long as you and somebody else understand it and then you can communicate it. And then somebody like myself or another hitting coach can, can like mesh that thought or speak that language and transfer like my thoughts into his language. Right. That's essentially what you're doing anyway, when you learn these guys is what cues work best for him. You know, what, what can I do with this guy? Is he just like, hey, he throws 95 and he throws a fastball and a curveball and he likes to throw his curveball with two strikes. Okay, go ahead. Other guys <laughs> might want more specific counts. Like they might want the specifics on the on the pitch characteristics. They might want, you know, specific counts. They, it just depends on, you know, each guy. But then yeah. how you deliver it is different too. You know, if like, if he needs to be looking out over the plate and think about doing this, it could be completely different cue than what I need to tell you because you don't handle certain things. So I might not tell you to look up here because you're going to get torched. Mm-hmm. So maybe like you got to look like a little bit lower, like your top is just going to be different than right. my top. Like my top, I might have to look at my neck and it might be look at your belly just mm-hmm. as a, a visual, you know, but it's learning those guys and you learn their strengths and their weaknesses. You learn their language. And I know my language, but that's fine, but I can go, okay, 
Yeah, do that. Yep, do that, do that. Okay. So, I, that comes with like just learning people. That's what was tough last year with that lockout is I didn't get a chance to build some rapport with guys early. So it took a while. Yeah. So do you definitely find that there's guys like during games, like you mentioned, you're in the cage a lot during the game. Is there those guys that are definitely, they need info. They want video right away as opposed to a guy like, Hey, I don't need, I don't want any of this stuff. It's just getting in my mind and in my head. You got a big mix of it. You have some guys and I would, I would say a majority probably are better with less. Mm -hmm. Like there's some like JD can take it all in. You know, and there's some guys that can, but I think majority do better keeping it simple, like figuring out how to break, break it down to one or two or at max, like three thoughts as they're going out there. It's like, you're on this heater in this spot and trying to hit it here. Right. That's it. Simplify as much as you can. Yeah. Yeah. And those three things cover 8,000 things, but they don't have to think about 8,000 things. It's just, you're on time for that. And you're looking here. And then that's it. And then, yeah. you know, if it works great or they come back and it's like, okay, what happened? I'm like, um, were you on time? They go, yeah. I was like, was it a good pitch? Like, no. What are we talking about? And right. that is across the board. I've had that <laughs> in the minor leagues and I'll still do it now. Mm-hmm. I, there's nothing to talk about. Like you were late. So now I don't care. Right. You're late and you're, body or swing you're going to do something to compensate and it's like yeah you're late and you hit it straight up okay speaking of, being, speaking of being late is there as a coach is there do you find that everyone like loads or gets ready pretty much the same or is there some different movements and thoughts there i mean timing is the hardest thing it's like the like to cue because you could say early because you might take let's say you take x amount of time for your move I might take slightly less time or, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Like the times are probably still within a range, but like the initiation of everything to get to a certain spot, or mm-hmm. maybe you're a guy that goes no stride to a leg, like a Bryce, maybe you have three options. You might adjust it slightly depending on what you're doing. Maybe you don't, maybe you're, you have a feel like it's, a, I call it an internal clock. Yeah, so it's like trying to figure out like how to get it going. Sometimes like earlier doesn't always work because like you and I both know it's like sometimes it's got to be so uncomfortable that it works. And it's like, yeah, I felt like I started yesterday. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I was waiting too long. Yeah. But then, so, but then you're on time. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's getting the feel for all that. Yeah. So they'll come in, they'll want everything, you know? So, but I tried to make it a point, like, as I, gain more and more of my voice it was like if you're not on time and if it's not a good pitch it's where there's nothing to talk about i don't even want to look at your swing because we have video it's like I, what, what, what are we looking at you just freaking went fishing four times like yeah no well i it's can hit your that. swing yeah it's like, your swing's you know, fine I can, I can hit that yeah you might have hit like five homers in your career on neck up and in right that's like no mm. <laughs> Where is damage? You can go across any chart anywhere. Like most dudes are going to damage in the middle and then it shifts just based on individual swing and other, some stuff. Right. But yeah, like don't make mistakes. That's what you tell them. Or when you're in the, like they capitalize on mistakes. Um, but yeah, guys will come in. They want the, they'll want a video. They might just want a flip or two. They might've, you know, starting catcher 
at home, goes out, catches. He might just run in for five swings, you know, some flips right before he takes his first AB just to, you know, feel a swing again, whatever. Loosen it up, yeah. Yeah, guys will want, okay, look at the video, like, great. Or we'll have video of the opponent. So if the guy's coming in, guys will want the video. We'll usually have an analyst in there sometimes with us. So we'll go scouting report. Um, but they all want different stuff too, even on the scouting report, like I was saying earlier. So it's just like knowing who needs what or like when to give them the time of day or when they don't or when you need to cut them off or when, you know, when you need to be like, all right, this is going to do more harm than good. No, it's not going to happen. Get out of there. Yeah, yeah. stop. You're taking a thousand swings already. Yeah, just yeah. go. Sit in the dugout and watch the game. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's still, it ha- yeah, even in the big leagues. Yeah, that's cool. Because yeah. it's not so, easy. Yeah, well, and like you said, like it's getting even more difficult, right? It's these pitchers are getting, they're all throwing 95 plus, like 95 almost seems like it's becoming closer to average now. Right now we're getting over triple digits and um, the, it, the training has got to be different. Like you said, you find that a lot of guys are working off machines with high velocity up in the zone. Yeah, we'll get a, a variety of everything. Um, guys will do velo, breaking balls. Mm-hmm. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Everybody's different. You know, some guys, like even the same, like I've, I've come across guys. I was in the big leagues for, in 20 with Houston for a little bit during COVID. So, like, even there, I've come across guys in both orgs that, like, they could hit a 95-mile-an-hour fastball. And I could just flip to them. And then they could go hit a 95 mile an hour heater. Like mm-hmm. they just know how to be on time for right. a heater, like whatever right. it is. Like they just need to get loose. They know the mechanism. If it's 90, I need 98 and it's got some of this at the top. Like they know other guys might need to get on it and, and like hit some velo and go. Mm-hmm. And they're all, some of it's feel, some of it isn't. Some guys will hit a breaking ball because that puts them in a better spot. And so they'll just hit breaking balls prior to something like it. Some guys let angle stuff. It just, so they're so different, you know, mm-hmm. on what they're, on what they're doing. But yeah, you'll see a lot of machine you'll see like, cause you have all these crazy machines now. So you'll see, um, you'll see the ones that'll throw combinations, like the sequences of pitches and some stuff like that. So we'll get some guys doing it. Um, and then there's some balls that are a little more forgiving too, that some guys will use, you know, so they're not, blowing their hands out on a sure. 95 on a machine that when, you know, scales. <laughs> a little softer. Yeah. You know, some guys like, yeah, it's just, they're all a tad different. Yeah. Well, that's good. the, yeah. Well, and that's part, probably got to be the fascinating part of your job is learning everyone. They are a little bit different. What clicks for one guy, what doesn't, um, and probably taking tedious notes or in your memory bank or even on paper and, yeah, learning that whole because I think that's what really what makes a good coach is you you know how that guy works right you know the intangibles of his swing whether he's a little bit more uphill or he's a little bit steep or flat right all these things that yeah they're not all the same no yeah and it's like why are you comparing yourself to him mm-hmm. you don't do anything like him right. <laughs> he's my favorite player well it's good but <laughs> your favorite player but don't comp yourself to him because you don't move anything like that yeah so it's like i don't know that that is the best for you so even then it's like steering guys away or you know finding the opportunities to talk to them about little things here and there but i think it's always just being ready and it's like 
always being prepared, right? So if you come to me like we got Rosie, I'm like actually this, this, and this. Like, oh man, yeah, man. Why didn't you tell me that earlier? <laughs> you you hold out info on me because right? you didn't because you didn't want to hear it until you asked me. <laughs> like, That's right. Yeah. Trevor Story said something like that, like along the same lines this year. It was some joke, like something. He's like, why why didn't you tell me that earlier? Seriously? Yeah. Now he was he was a guy that got locked in like later in the this past year, right? Yeah, he got hurt, but like he's he, tough, tough year for him. Just he had it was lockout and then he signed late then he had a baby and he got like sick at the beginning of the year he was fighting uphill all year yeah <clears throat> but he like did awesome super pro continued to work you know even like to the end to the end you know and then kind of came back was good and kind of a little freak thing on his heels so mm-hmm. he'll be good next year he's like he gets after it he'll work you know he, he he'll he'll ask me questions. He'll ask, you know, other hitting or other hitting coach. So he tries to get as much as he, he wants to get the info and pick, pick out each of our brains is a little bit different. And, you know, he gets it and he'll go out there and do his thing. But again, yeah. like watch, watching him move around and watching these guys do stuff. And like, you listen to them talk and it's like, okay, okay. Yeah. He doesn't want any of that. So he's, He's like he's in this category. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this guy's in this category. And you just you just figure it out. That's cool, man. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, good. So we'll, we'll wrap this up here with maybe some advice. What would you, as far as you know, you you've coached at all levels now, right? Say we got some amateur players, high school, college type level that might be listening to this. What type of advice would you want to give them at the high school, college level? Play the game. Play baseball. And like watch the game and play the game. Like the tech and all that is still great. And I still use it, but learn the game and learn the speed of the game and learn how to play the game without using all of that stuff. Cause there might be a time when you don't have it. Like if you rely on hitting with hit tracks all the time, there might be a time when you don't have it and you might have to dial your swing in without that piece of tech mm-hmm. or you might have to get a picture that you've never seen before and you might have to like figure it out really fast and not have all that information so I, I all the new stuff is good but learn the game and play the game yeah. and like be aware of the game because it's still baseball and it's like you can look across the board, like guys that can run still have value, right? Guys that can do this still have value. Like just learn your value and learn your value in the game and then play the game. That Love would, it. That would yeah. be. Love it. Maybe watch a game, right? Yeah. yeah. Don't be scared. And yeah. Don't be scared. Yeah. Either way. Don't be scared. Like, okay. Well, Rosie, dude, I'm rooting for you, man. It's, it's so cool that you're literally in the big leagues, you know, as a hitting coach and, um, you know, and just your, I appreciate you sharing your story um, yeah. where you started and now where you are. Um, and I would assume like, it, you know, as the assistant hitting coach at some point, you might get offered that position of, of the, the main guy, if you will, um, that, that next, the goal. Yeah. that's the goal, right? That's, that's the, the goal. goal. So Unless we'll we be win, real. if we keep winning world series, I'll stay as the third guy too. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'll, I'll settle. I'll settle yeah, for that. You gotta, you gotta get out of the ALE cellar, though. Oof, that's there a tough. You. There you go. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Well, Rosie, appreciate you coming on board. Make sure yeah. you guys follow Rosie. Where can they follow you at? You, you are you on the Twitter machine? Uh, I'm kind of not really. I don't know if they can follow me. They can follow the Red Sox. Follow the Red Sox. Okay. Follow the Red Sox. Follow our. Heroes. You're you're kind of low key. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You I mean, I, I could, I probably could have been super rich if I would have started putting all my stuff out there 20 years ago. <laughs> you know, yeah. Right. Oh, goodness. I was doing that a while ago. That's I hear okay. you. I hear you. Right. Well, Austin, I think, appreciate you coming on board yeah. and I will see you soon, bud. Good catching up with you. Take care. Okay. Tell, family, you. tell your brother, tell your parents, everybody I say hello. <laughs>